Hey, Jordan. Uh, how you how are you holding up, man? Mm, hanging in there. Yeah, it's pretty pretty. Uh, been a pretty rough couple of days, hasn't it? In a pretty bad space personally right now. Yeah, you could say it's, that. It's tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course we're referring to the uh, the passing a few days ago of uh, the notorious RBG, oh. Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Rest in power, uh, Ruth. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is kind of a uh, you know heading into this election. This is kind of like a worst case scenario, right? And I'm as sad as I am about everything that's happened. And uh, perhaps such an iconic figure uh, to uh, to to pass away tragically like this, uh, leaving leaving the the opportunity open for Trump to appoint another seat uh, to the Supreme Court. As sad as I am about this, I'm getting I got to say I'm getting fired up at the same time. I'm getting ready oh. to go here. Okay, yeah. Tell w- w- what's up. Well, listen, we're gonna have to burn this shit down, Jordan. Oh, uh, I okay. know. You know, I try to talk about civility and uh, Yikes, making sure yeah. that everyone's always orderly. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm fed up, frankly. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. uh, I think we're gonna have to burn this shit down. Okay. At the ballot box. Wow. This is a new November. Tone. Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it calls for it, you know, desperate times, desperate measures. Uh, yeah. we're gonna have to start a riot at the, at your local polling location in November okay. to ensure that, that, that we vote for Joe Biden. Yeah. And that's I the think... only way that we can, that we're going to respond to it. Dude, yeah, when I see when I think about Mitch McConnell and how he's probably just going to try to force through a, a nomination before the election, I just want to punch a hole in the ballot for Joe Biden and say no, sir, this will not stand. That's how pissed I am right now. Yeah, I hear you. And I'm like to be clear, um I'm not sure this is going to happen because obviously if McConnell were to do that, it would be extremely hypocritical. Oh, right. Yeah. Cause he's, he already said, he set yeah. a clear rule uh, with the, the Merrick Garland uh, case mm-hmm. that this kind of thing wouldn't happen. So I don't, th- I'm, I'm assuming that he's going to follow through on that because he's, you know, he's, uh, he, he's not going to go ahead and so openly contradict his previous statements like that. It would be, it would, it would be very hypocritical. So I don't think it's going to happen, but if it does, we do have to be ready to just prepare a Molotov cocktail of like voting power and just mm-hmm. bring that to the bring that to your local location bring bring your friends you know tell your That's friends about right. make sure they're registered bring them down there carpool rent a van if you have to that's the kind of righteous fury that we're going to need to ensure that they're that they're punished for that kind of transgression Hello, hello, and welcome. It's the Insurgents, episode forty, and it's Rob Rousseau here. Hey, Rob. Hey, man. Uh, hey, that's Jordan. Jordan Yule, of course, co-host of the show. And uh, what's up? How's it going? You watching Red Zone again? You what's know it. Yeah. That? Of course, I'm watching yeah. Red Zone. If it's Sunday, I'm watching Red Zone, baby. Okay. Well, that's pretty. Browns How's... won this week, which is exciting. Some yeah. touchdowns, yeah. It's very cool. Touchdowns this this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's been kind of a it's been kind of a wild week. Um, <laughs> this whole like Ruth Bader Ginsburg thing, it's just like 
it couldn't have happened any other way. Like it just had to, <laughs> you know, yeah. there's just no way that it could have, it could have, uh, it could have played out any different than any differently than this, yeah. um, to just add this extra level of complete insanity onto this, this already maximum insane election. Um, but you know, it's the very, it's the really the 2020 move is for the, is for, um, is for Ginsburg to pass away like immediately before and set up this like dramatic, uh, battle over the seat. I, you know, no one should be shocked by this. I think this is the kind of shit that 2020 is offering us. So we just got to, we just got to take it in stride. Yeah. Um, I don't want to be cliche and be like, oh, it's, of course it happens. 2020 never, you know, that whole shit, like whatever. Um, yeah, but yeah, naturally this is just, of course it happens. Like, <laughs> I I mean, if you don't laugh, you cry. I did just want to, it's going to, yeah, I did just want to talk about this though, because we were kind of alluding to it in the, in the beginning there, how it is really incredible. The kind of contradiction between the the sort of liberals that got very uh, upset about this you might argue uh, rightfully upset but then using this kind of rhetoric of like we're going to burn this shit down we're going to we're going to riot we're going to do all this stuff the very people in many cases that have been insisting over the last 5 6 months that burning shit down in any circumstance is not acceptable and we can never do that and all of a sudden it's like you know it wasn't enough for me to get to feel that level of kind of righteous fury about the the epidemic of uh, you know police violence and the just the constant extrajudicial murder of uh, black people at the hands of the state, you know that's that's no reason to get upset and burn down Wendy's or Target or anything like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know now that now that this eighty seven year old multiple cancer survivor has passed away, um, now it's that's... really time to to break out that kind of rhetoric. Yeah, that's kind of, Republicans that's kind of are see. being hypocritical. But also, like, that's just not ever going to happen. Because at the end of the day, the people saying that shit are going to be fine. So they might be slightly impacted. Yeah. But, like, it was seeing a bunch of, like, wealthy liberals. Um, yeah, like, you know, media, like, media like, dudes. Yeah, like, media gonna pundits. We're going to burn <laughs> this <laughs> down. No, you're not. No, you are not. Yeah. You're going to post and you're going to go on TV and whine. And you're going to tell people to vote. You're not going to burn anything down because nothing that you love or hold near is really at stake. It's such fucking bullshit. This posturing is so hollow and it's like offensive. They, like you said, yeah, uh, after months of people mobilizing uh, across the country because they're just tired of having their friends and family members murdered by the police, that that was, yo, oh, don't break the, don't break the Walgreens window. Who fucking cares? Yeah. Who cares? But now, yeah, oh yeah, now you want to use that same rhetoric? It's just so fucking yeah. offensive. Yeah, and and I think the main thing that people are worried about, again, rightfully so, is like the possibility of uh, abortion laws in the United States becoming even more uh, restricted. But it is the kind of thing that you know people often point out the the hypocrisy of conservatives on this whereas like as much as they're opposed to abortion if anyone connected to them uh happens to need one that's not going to mm-hmm. be an issue and it's a lot of the <laughs> yeah. same thing with these wealthy liberals that are talk- going on the media and, and talking about it it's like they it probably won't be an issue for them either uh and it's really there's a strict class divide in who is really punished by by these kinds of laws uh and it's yeah. kind of disingenuous to suggest that that everyone's kind of in the same camp on that well, it's also just like it, it reminds me of like the conversations around optics and tactics and well, you know, it's just you, you, you muddy your message when you do stuff like this. Well, how is it OK here? 
How, like, why? What, what is the justification yeah. for doing so here? If if optics and uh, distracting from your message, uh, it, it was the consequence or the risk of, of of quote rioting and quote burning things down. How is it okay here? I would love to hear that justification, but. Again, it's hollow, and they have no intention of doing it. It's very funny to see people who, like, have careers just talking on CNN saying shit like that, who spent the entire yeah. primary, like, cheering on fucking Pete Buttigieg or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and from my perspective, too, I mean, uh, talking about that kind of rhetoric, when you look back in the last couple of months of these uprisings, it seemed like, initially, when there was uh, police stations getting burned down and that kind of stuff happening, there was a lot more movement um, about uh, like really radical reforms that could possibly happen. It seemed mm-hmm. like that was driving that discussion, but then it like it got kind of diluted by all this kind of tut tutting and uh, you know blaming people for for you know the the bad protesters. You're you're you know you're making it hard for the good protesters versus the bad protesters, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden this idea of like abolishing the police or defunding the police kind of went away. And uh, anything that's been kind of suggested otherwise has just been this kind of like tepid reform. Like when you talk about Biden's like, uh, you know, we need to give them more money, but just to train them to shoot people in the leg and stuff like that. That's like the that's like the Democratic <laughs> Party proposal for how you're going to deal with that situation. But when there was police stations getting burned down, it seemed like there was a lot more movement um, for for some maybe some real serious reforms. Um, and that's that's the same thing. I mean, the. I like from my perspective, I think that probably would be the the correct way to uh, respond to something like that when you have this this possibility of this uh, you know decades long uh, hard right stranglehold over the Supreme Court of the United States. I think that would be an appropriate response, uh, but I don't think that the people that are out there on using their media platforms to to say these things are really going to follow through on any of that. And if if that kind of shit did start going on, they'd probably be the first people to be like, hey, well, let's not, you know, let's not burn stuff down for real. We were just kind of yeah. being metaphorical about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, not great. Not a great no. situation for the old Very U.S. of A. Um, but we have, uh, we have friend of the show, The Law Boy, uh, coming on uh, the program in just a little bit. Um, and he's, uh, you know, he's uh, he has a podcast, that talks specifically about the Supreme Court. Uh, very, very knowledgeable about this stuff. What's the name of his podcast? Can you? It's called Five Four, and I ended up saying Five Two Four uh, half the episode. So it's Five Four. Ignore me later on. Great. <laughs> Both of us probably should look into this ahead of time next time when we, uh, mm. when we do this kind of stuff. But yeah, well, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> the law boy was really great to, to talk to him about this. He, he is really very knowledgeable about this stuff. Uh, So we were able to talk about sort of uh, the legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. What are passing means to the court? What's the Democratic Party response going to be? I also talked a little bit about an interesting uh, topic that I I, I end up coming back to, which is just how like preposterously undemocratic the entire United States government is and how completely illegitimate it is when you really kind of think about it for a few minutes. Uh, But it was a really great discussion. I think uh, I think everyone's going to enjoy hearing our, our chat with the law boy. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's really good. Um, we don't get into too much about, like, Ginsburg's legacy as a person. I think there's other shows and people who are better equipped to have those conversations. So if that's what you're looking for, this probably is not the conversation for you. Um, but we talk about, you know, the, the dynamic around when she decided not to resign, the consequences, and, and looking ahead at cases in the fall. 
specifically uh, the Affordable Care Act case, what now, what, you know, what's in jeopardy there, possibly uh, election results being contested, just a lot of different things in the near future that could, this, this changes the potential outcome. So interesting conversation, um, and also would recommend checking out their show as well, if this is something you're interested in. Yeah. And so before we get to the law boy, um, we've got a, we've got a bunch of new reviews to read and, uh, oh boy, they're Uh pretty, they're pretty out there. They're pretty wacky. Oh shit. Oh yeah. So we're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to read some reviews of the show on another edition of Feedback Corner. Okay, so we're back. Uh, it's Feedback Corner, uh, the segment that everyone knows and loves, where we uh, read uh, reviews from Apple Podcasts that we get for the show. Now, um, after uh, our guest last week, um, Nicole, a.k.a. Bad Bunny, who is not a loose cannon, uh, just like a complete normal sort of political pundit, you know, nothing nothing abnormal at all about uh, about any of her, uh, her comments this? or anything she doing? does. Why are you doing revisionist history here? <laughs> but after she's been she's been talking about the podcast on her uh, twitch channel uh her twitch stream lately and uh her so her community i think has gotten into the action here gotcha so she's asked her turn left us some pretty yeah there's some there's okay. some maybe, maybe it is a little untoward should put actually some but asterisks next to these then they don't really count. yeah they don't really count yeah yeah but anyway we do have a bunch of new reviews to read I'm going to call them up right now. There's a, there's a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, do you want to, uh, why don't you go ahead with the, the first review? Okay, sure. This one is called My Favorite Monster Zero Podcast. <laughs> Every week, Rob and Jub Jub get together to discuss the crisp and smooth taste of Monster Zero. Can you believe they pack all that flavor with zero calories? No, I can't. Now, I, <laughs> as someone who has had Monster Zero before... I, I find myself yeah. often like kind of like taking a step back, looking at the can, and be like, zero calories? Are you kidding me? There's um, got to be some kind of false advertising here. Yeah, because this is, the it, taste it, does, is it just seems very... too good to be true because the taste is just so good. <laughs> uh, they continue. Unreal. Also, they talked about video games or something, too. I don't know. I only pay attention when they talk about Monster Zero and the trademark symbol. I think that's a fantastic review, and I, yeah. I want to stress to our listeners. I agree. Um, who you know probably been with us for a while there's just some things that really mean a lot i hold near um gaming sports and the cool crisp refreshing taste of monster zero energy drinks and i just think that's just it's 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 a big part of my life it's a big part of rob's life and i I would recommend that you also make it part of yours yeah i agree i agree with that that was actually i complain a lot about reviews on the show but that was tremendous Mm-hmm. Now this one though, this next review may be a little contentious. I don't know, but uh, okay. The title is a podcast second to one. Hmm. And it says the Insurgents is a fantastic podcast, almost as fantastic as the cool, refreshing taste of Rain Energy Drink. Hmm. Whether you need a morning wake me up or to power through an all night gaming session, Rain has the energy you need. Available in lit flavors such as Melon Mania, Sour Apple. Lemon HDZ and the legendary Razzleberry Rain Energy Drink will keep you woke. Rain mm. Energy is a proud supporter of the insurgents and is quite the insurgent in the energy drink world itself. 
Holy moly. Yeah. So this is a little controversial. Yeah. I mean, we are, yeah, we're officially a monster podcast, but I I, I feel there's a growing insurgent force on behalf of rain. I'm not sure what to make. There's kind of two competing camps here. Yeah. Which is what I'm hoping is that our, our, our proud sponsors at, at monster start to realize that there's other energy drink brands that are kind of trying to get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and hopefully we'll kind of kind of bump up our contract numbers or, you know, maybe to have some kind of discussion about more free products, you know, stopping, stocking the mini fridges at insurgents, global HQ a little bit uh-huh. better, you know, more often, maybe some merch. I'm a I feel guy. like there's a way we can kind of put these two camps together, pit them against each other. And hopefully that can yeah. mean good things for the podcast. I mean, it's becoming a competitive space. A yeah. savvy business operator would, would, would know. someone with entrepreneur brain, uh, phrase That's I've right. heard this Which week is me. from. Uh, yeah, possibly. I certainly don't have it. Otherwise, I'd have, I'd have healthcare. Yeah. Um. <laughs> but I okay. No, I read on Twitter this week though that because you've got I believe over two hundred thousand Twitter followers, so that means that you get uh, healthcare for that. If you go, if you break your foot or whatever, uh, you go to the hospital. You just point that out to them, and they say, "Oh, right this way, sir. It's an influencer." I'll be a special wing in the hospital just for you. (laughs) The the influencer wing. Not influenza. Influencer. Yes, correct. correct, Give this man medical care immediately. Free of charge. (laughs) So I hear. That's how that works. So I hear from the experts on Twitter. Um, Yeah. Anyway, even if that wasn't the case, you could always dip into your vast uh, multi-million dollar fortune that you've got. That's in, also in correct, yeah. To, uh, Learned to a lot that. about myself this week, which is pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Jesus do we got another? Let's, do you have any more reviews here? There's a couple more. Let's get, let's get rid of this. Uh, yes. <laughs> These are so bizarre. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I'll, if I could read this one, cause I like the person who left it. This one's called second rate marbles on stream players, but good for politics and energy drink reviews. I find myself genuinely disappointed by the lack of effort. Both Jordan and Rob put into marbles on stream races, which makes me doubt their <laughs> overall commitment to praxis, but I can count on the podcast or topical and acerbic leftist political commentary delivered with a charming sense of humor. I glean what I can from them which I can then apply to my own marbles on stream strategies. My game has significantly improved since subscribing. And that is from Husker Du, a uh, friend of the show, and I believe a mod on uh, Bad Bunny's Twitch channel. So thank you for the review, Husker. Five stars. Really appreciate it. Best of luck in your marble races. Yeah. This is one of those things that's been explained to me multiple times, the marbles on stream, and I still just don't, I, I can't quite grasp it. And I just okay. think this is one of those things that maybe I've just passed the age level where it's just I I could start to you know, comprehend that stuff. Uh-huh. I do what enjoy your... you know talking about it. Yeah. What are your questions? Like, you it, is it game? actually like a, is it like a video game or is it like actual marbles? I yeah. don't I don't totally understand how this works. It's so I just know you... that it's become something that we can yeah. talk about and it's it's funny for some reason I don't know why, but I enjoy it's fun. I enjoyed talking about it. So okay. if you, it's a game and you could stream, you could play it on stream and it has Twitch connectivity. So you connect your Twitch account to the game and it reads your chat. And when you start a game, everyone in your chat can hit exclamation point play and it assigns them a marble. It adds them to the game. 
and then it puts everyone's names above their respective marbles and then it drops down these shoots and there's like hundreds and hundreds of different tracks and courses some are really challenging and shoot your marble off there's like obstacles marbles need to navigate you don't control it it does it automatically and it's all like physics based so it's imagining you have this complex like micro machines track or whatever hot wheels track and you just dump 20 marbles down the track you know whoever makes it through okay at the end wins that's a it's just basically that but a game with tons of funny obstacles um and the chat loves it and it's, it's very fun it is the most engaging okay. entertaining uh video game of all time that does sound kind of fun it is fun well i am i am personally planning on getting back on twitch soon um there you go but for anyone that's listening uh that does want to do that i believe today's sunday so if you're coming here from from uh you know the the bad bunnies community i believe tomorrow is marbles monday it, it is right is that yes, correct that's correct yeah. that is a so, long-standing tradition marbles monday yeah great good Okay, well, because this next review, <laughs> this is this is a very good one. I gotta say, I nor this is like upending my my uh, bit where I get angry at the reviews repeatedly and despondent because mm-hmm. I quite enjoyed this. And the title of this review is "This Isn't How We Beat Trump," and the review Uh-oh. says, "Come on, guys." I don't want to reveal who I am, but for context, I'm a former mayor and presidential candidate. We're not going to defeat Trump by creating divisiveness, but by dividing creativeness. What if, instead of tearing down others, we empowered others to build each other up? We shouldn't yearn for the revolutionary politics of the 1960s, but should look forward to the bright future. The shape of our democracy is the issue that affects every other issue. Look, there might not be a lot that we can agree on, but sometimes we agree the most with those we disagree with. In that spirit, I agree with you, Jordan and Robert, that our younger generation is the future of this country. P.S. Might I suggest a name change? The insurgents for all who want them. And that was from Pear Meat. Yeah, I don't know. Just an anonymous. I think those are all real Pete quotes up until the end. Like, I think those are all. Some of them I know for sure are. And I think the rest are as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's, It's funny because that seems like something that we really would talk about. Uh, in like the opening in an opening of the show when mm-hmm. I, whenever i hear this like democrat like speak this kind of like the, the way that they put together this kind of sentences with pete's boot pete Buttigieg judge is kind of like the the real avatar of this mm-hmm. it reminds me of because i used to work in advertising for a few years and for a while i was working for this like this like somewhat this like famous whiskey brand basically and that was all the copy we had to write to come up with for this this brand because it's supposed to sound like the the cracked wisdom of like the old but the grizzled the bar philosopher you know hanging out at the bar mm-hmm. and it was always shit like that it was like you say one thing and then you cut, cut the next part of the sentence is kind of the opposite uh, you know we can't we can't look forward with fear but we must not be fearful to look backward or is there things oh some dumb bullshit God. like that and I always Makes- think about that every time I hear that kind of Democrat speak yeah. Just pretending to be deep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so it's just the, the stupidest, like, surface level uh, rhetoric that's that's kind of, like, designed in a lab to seem, like, profound. Yeah. It's really funny. That was, that was a good review. I enjoyed that one. So what, do we want to do one more here? Uh, yeah, sure. Light listening. Ron and Gordon are perfect nighttime listeners. <laughs> the low drone between but... the two... <laughs> 
<laughs> right. The low drone between the two of them helps bring Mr. Sandman to your sleepy shores sooner than you can say orange man bad. Clint Cobblestein seems to pay scant attention to the constant <laughs> warnings and security threats that Ron continually heaves his way. Classy Clint just keeps on coming back for more shenanigans, which oftentimes leads to Ron getting befuddled or in perplexed. Egad. Keep up the good efforts, young pony soldiers. Actually good for midnight walks to the store for smokes and pepperoni sticks. Steven. <laughs> Thank you for the review. <laughs> Hope you enjoy your pepperoni sticks. Thank you, Steven. Yeah. Are you a pepperoni guy? I do too. You like it? Sorry? You like pepperoni sticks? What are those, um, Slim Jims? I'm not so much a pepperoni stick guy. I'm like the bag of jer- like the jerky. That's usually yeah. my go-to. That's usually my go-to uh, like gas station order. Yeah. I'm uh, along often guy. with a, a cool, crisp, refreshing oh. Monster Zero Red. <laughs> that's my preferred flavor. I I like all the flavors. You know, the white kind. The, mm-hmm. There's a purple kind now. There's like a, a light green, which is kind of like a tropical. Thing. Yeah, I think I generally go with uh, the red Monster Zero. Very delicious, nice accompaniment of some like Jack Link's uh, uh, jerky. That's my yeah. usual. That's my usual uh, go go to order. I so I like red. I think red goes down too easy. Red is too okay. sweet, and I find myself drinking it way faster. Um, so I like the the standard whatever the you know they have like the regular green monster, then they have the blue monster. But then they have the sure. zero blue. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? It's like the same I flavor as regular that. blue. That's that's my go-to. Okay. I haven't actually also had energy drinks in a, re- in a really long time. Coffee. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, I just make coffee all the time. Yeah. I don't know. I have no idea how this bit started. Someone was someone reached out to me the other day like, what's this thing about energy drinks? And I was just like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I Like, why are you always talking of, about this? I'm like, I'm not sure. I know it's funny, but I'm not sure why exactly. It started when we were doing the, the they had that, the Fortnite marathon. You and I yeah, were playing right. at, I think, late into day two, I believe. And I was just yeah. running on empty and I had a monster and we started talking about it. Great stuff. Yeah, hilarious. I, I love our. I love having a hard hitting, serious uh, leftist podcast where you discuss important issues like this. Mm-hmm. Keeps people coming, and everyone takes me very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's the end of feedback corner. Um, I'm actually not mad this this week. That was those reviews were actually quite entertaining. These are some uh, thanks to everyone who left a review. Um, and again, if you want to leave another review uh, for the show, you do so on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's very very helpful. It helps people discover the show. Uh, through the algorithm and all that good stuff. But, uh, yeah, that was great. And, um, I don't know, I don't feel like doing the housekeeping stuff. People know where to subscribe to the show and all that stuff, uh, I feel like. Uh, so we're just going to skip that. And let's bring on our guest, uh, Peter, a.k.a. The Law Boy. I think you're going to really enjoy this chat. He'll be coming on the show right after this. Patriots as, as a Peter. Now, the law boy, we, we open these shows with a little bit of uh, water cooler talk. Okay. So, yeah. um, we have a very important question for you. Do you uh-huh. game? 
Yeah, I game. Okay. What are you? I what do. are you? What are you gaming? What do we got lately? Going on I've right been. Now? I just finished Ghost of Tsushima. Um, oh. Okay. Yeah. I um I'm trying to get my friends to play Among Us, but none of them. Everyone's like, "What is that? I don't get it." Oh, um, it's good. Yeah. It seems Jordan's fun. got a crew. You should join uh, Jordan's crew. Yeah. There. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm hopping right in. Let me know. Let's do um, it. I am. I've. I feel like all all the games I was playing a lot in the last couple months I just I finished so Last of Us Part 2 I just finished uh, a couple weeks ago um, I still play an enormous amount of Overwatch and like NBA 2K and, and like little BS games like that um, what else am I doing what I, I then I was I was just looking at at, uh, at what's coming out and I haven't made a decision but I need to make a purchase I got like one last g- PS4 game in me before I get the PS5 which will be as soon as possible fancy okay <clears throat> so you are you are a real gamer. I am. I am. Yeah, I used to be even I used to be like a PC gamer back in my youth. I built my mm. own, etc. Uh and then you sort of get to a point where it's like that's it's a lot of money to spend when it's not your parents mm-hmm. financing it and uh <laughs> and now I just I get the console. Nice. Nice. Well, that's that's comforting to know and I, I my my guard is now down for the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's important to let people know that you're a gamer before you move into. Yeah, we got to clear the clear the air right away. That's get right. Get, <laughs> right, right. Get, get everything out there. Yeah, well, we'll get you. We'll get you in for some Among Us. I've got a nice group that plays pretty much every night. Hell yeah! This uh, this and... guest appearance is paying massive dividends already. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It's a fun game. I like it. Um, so, but we have you here because you are one of the hosts of five. Five four five to four, um, the podcast about the Supreme Court and how it sucks. And uh, obviously, right. there was big Supreme Court news this week with Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing, and this kind of throws the entire, <clears throat> you know, dynamic of the court into in, in jeopardy. This it was already pretty delicate; it was a yep. uh, delicate balance, and now this this could leave uh, <laughs> this could lead to Trump. Replacing her, making it a, a six to three court yeah. um, in favor of the the right, and just completely change the dynamic in America. And we 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 were talking earlier, and we we were hoping you can give some context uh, to listeners who might be unfamiliar with the, the broader consequences of Ginsburg's passing and a, mm-hmm. a potential Trump replacement. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's bad. First of all, uh, I'm gonna <laughs> go on the record there. It's not good. Um, Interesting. The the basic situation, like moving forward, is pretty simple. Um, there is currently a five to four conservative majority, which has been enough to do substantial damage. Um, and uh, there is like there was some hope for the future, right? That um, that Ginsburg would survive, that Biden would get elected. That Ginsburg could retire, that Justice Stephen Breyer, who's 82 years old, one of the liberal justices, would retire, and that maybe things would would flip, or at the very least, that the liberals would be close uh, for the next, you know, for the next couple decades. And now, um, if Trump gets a, a replacement, um, you are in a situation where there are two young liberal justices, one very old one. And six youngish conservatives. Uh, I shouldn't say youngish. A couple of them are in their early seventies, but by by Supreme Court standards, not too old. Um, which is, it's a, a fairly devastating situation for sort of like the liberal left uh, pol- policy uh, positions moving forward. Um, 
I don't really, want to get my like, understanding though is that if if, the, yeah. if Trump and the Republicans were to replace the the seat now before the election, that would be hypocritical. So, look, that you know. is true, and <laughs> oh, obviously, thanks for coming the, on. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think the uh, look, it's been like extremely. You know, I'm bleeding from the eyes every time I read Twitter and have to read the people who are like, Lindsey Graham said he would not do this in 2018. Checkmate, sir. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, there's in my mind, there's 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 only one question in terms of whether they it's not really whether they do it, it's just how they do it. Right. Do they decide yeah. to ram this through before the election and maybe risk um, risk it having an impact on the election? Or do they wait till after the election and risk it being during a lame duck se- session, which, like, you know, I guess looks fairly slimy and might sort of mobilize Democrats to respond by instituting court reforms or something along those lines, right? Um, I don't think there's a universe where they don't do it uh, or at least don't try to do it, right? I mean, it, it just seems uh, it, it would be completely out of step with the way that the modern Republican Party functions. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that... They said Trump. Trump said he's going to release a pick this week. I could easily see uh, McConnell just starting the process immediately. Um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, you know, I think a, we've. I, I don't remember exactly how many Republicans are on the record saying they wouldn't do it. I think we need four to say they mm-hmm. won't and stick to it. Um, I think there's a two, something like that, right now. Um, I saw. I saw four. I saw Grassley, mm-hmm. um, Romney, and Murkowski and Collins. And Collins is doing right. a tough race right now. Yep. Uh, re-election bid. So she's going to be probably. Well, here's the thing. You know what? Fuck. No, she. I don't know if she's gonna actually care because like she's. She, I, I don't. I don't want to. I'm tired of buying into her. Yeah. Her like concern act, but like she is in a tough race. And during the Kavanaugh uh, confirmation process, it was she. She was very closely monitoring public polling and opinion mm-hmm. polling in her dis, in her in her state. So whatever Mainers want is probably how she'll vote. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm not really too I'm, I'm not going to I'm going to try to remind myself not to follow her talking points. Yeah, I, I do. It did seem to me like she left herself a little bit of wiggle room, too, though, like, uh, oh, I don't believe we should do this. But that doesn't mean yeah. that if it does happen, if she's going to vote no or if she's right. going to go right. along with it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm very skeptical generally that the Republicans will be cautious here, mostly because. The Merrick Garland Neil Gorsuch debacle went down sort of without a hitch for them, right? Uh, politically, now it wasn't you know it wasn't right before an election, um, but it really does seem like they suffered no adverse consequences from a political perspective, and I think I think that McConnell's aware of that. Yeah, and I think starting the process and getting people fired up, even starting the vetting, like the public vetting, will be helpful because the right has the infrastructure that is way more powerful than, than what the left has in mobilizing people around the Supreme Court because they've they've turned Roe versus Wade and uh, reproductive rights into this political cudgel that really gets people fired up. And it's like yeah. it's it's one of those rhetorical ploys that gets Republicans uh, to plug their nose and just check the box because they think they're doing the greater good. OK, well, I have to save the babies. I have to save these fetuses. Yeah. And, you know, Trump's not the best, but like. Oh, and they start crying. Like millions of babies die every year. And, you know, like with the genocide, we got to stop it. That's effective for the right. And they know yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I, what's interesting about Roe v. Wade is, I mean, there's a real argument to be made from the right that that they shouldn't overturn it um, because they can, it's, it's, they've been very successful with their current strategy, which is just death by a thousand cuts, right? Roe v. Wade mm-hmm. stands, but 
they've done so much damage to the right to an abortion that there are states with you know one, two, three abortion clinics statewide, right? I mean, that's incredibly close to just not having one in the state. And you still get that electoral advantage that you're talking about, right? You still get the people who are fired up about Roe v. Wade. If you overturn it, it might be that you lose some percentage of those people. Um, and maybe that's, you know, sort of not worth the trade-off. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately for the more the shrewder Republicans who believe that, I think that there's like a really big chunk of the electorate who are just like, you, like your, your main prerogative if you're on the Supreme Court is to find a way to attack Roe v. Wade and overturn it. And that is why we, that is why we put you there. Yeah, it's like death by a thousand cuts, like how, yeah. they, how they're approaching it. They're going to leave that there so they have that kind of device to fall back on and point to. But it's, it's all also actually repealing it is quite unpopular as well, right? Yeah, like it's not, yeah, it's people not, aren't it's paying not like attention this is like a broadly popular uh, position for people to hold. Yeah, right. people aren't paying attention to all like the repro- like all like the the, um, you know, birth control cases, all the cases about like access to different facilities, like like the it, it turned out good. But like whole women's health was was another case that could have rolled back uh, abortion access. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're they are basically as close as you can get to just saying that Roe v. Wade is uh, is defunct, rather uh, without saying it, right? They're they've they've brushed up against it. They've eliminated all of these barriers um, in the way of states that so states now can put all sorts of artificial restrictions on your ability to get an abortion, and the Supreme Court has given that the green light, but. They still say, "Oh yeah, you have a you have the right under Roe v. Wade to an abortion," but you know the right is meaningless without some sort of like actual protections. Yeah. yeah. So 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 Ginsburg's passing has been you know met with huge pro not protests but you know memorials around the country. Mm-hmm. People are honoring her legacy, and you know I I think we were talking earlier. You know sometimes there's a little bit more of a knee jerk reaction on Twitter to some of her more recent decisions that people weren't mm-hmm. happy with. But like, could you give an overview of like like who? Ginsburg was like she was a pioneer in gender equity. Yeah, yeah, she was. Um, she started at Harvard Law School, transferred to Columbia, um, and was top of her class at Columbia. Um, you know, there's just a handful of women in the class. Um, top of her class, while like her her husband at the time had cancer and she had a baby. I mean, just like just a sort of high level elite intellect and. She leaves that uh, and can't find a job um, be just because the, everyone in New York City where she's trying to find work was sexist and wouldn't hire her. And she lands at the ACLU where she spends the 70s sort of pioneering these uh, gender discrimination theories that end up over the course of the decade really turning around uh, the Supreme Court's approach to gender discrimination. And, you know, she, they, they had very creative strategies. They they would find they would often bring cases on behalf of men who were negatively impacted by the by gender disparities um just as a way to sort of win over the justices and kind of introduce the nuance of the situation to to the court and um at the end of the at the end of the 80s carter appoints her to a federal judgeship and in 93 she is nominated to the supreme court and appointed to the supreme court uh, by clinton and she spends the next, you know, 25, 27, I guess, years um, being a very strong, reliable uh, liberal left vote on the court. Um, she definitely had some little hiccups here and there. She wasn't super reliable on uh, criminal defendants' rights, for example. Um, tribal law issues have popped up recently, and a lot of people have been critical of, of her on, on that, although 
I, I think it's it's been a mixed bag there as well. Um, but generally speaking, uh, she was extremely reliable, certainly one of the most liberal justices um, in history. It's hard to compare across eras, right? But um, certainly the only mo- more liberal justice on the court right now is Sotomayor. And, um, you know, I, I would say that the most of the criticism of her is the harshest criticism coming from the left is probably better directed at other just justices. But, you know, there's such a cult of personality around her that I think that she sort of um, she sort of attracts most of the criticism. And most of that yeah. comes from um, <laughs> a single tumbler in 2013. Yeah. Um, yeah. She had a she had a very good dissent in uh, Shelby County v. Holder, which was a case where they the court gutted the Voting Rights Act protections uh, of minority voters, in, especially in southern states. And so her defense, her dissent was just kind of widely praised. And someone on Tumblr <laughs> created, I think it was, I think it was an NYU law student at the time, created this Tumblr that was like the, the notorious RBG. And that's where this, that whole idea came from. And that meme that sort of spiraled into like a fucking movie, like, and then and like they, they <laughs> yeah. got a book deal out of it. And this sort of cult of personality where this person who is like, you know, I think was like a widely respected pioneer in the field and, you know, uh, jurisprudentially very strong is all of a sudden like a, almost a pop culture icon. Uh, it got very bizarre and I think it made her a lightning rod to some degree. Well, it's kind of troubling too. this this element of, of liberalism where it seems like a lot of liberals have this tendency to turn these public servants into these, uh, you know, lionize them into these kind of celebrities that they, that they worship who are not like working for you, but like you failed them. Like you, you, we failed, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg by not, by not voting in Clinton so she could get replaced and things like this. And it's, it's difficult because then it, it makes it impossible to have like a nuanced conversation about the, their, their careers, the good things they did, the bad things they did. Um, and it just like any, any dissent to this idea of like, that this is just a total saint, uh, just becomes kind of uh, not acceptable in, in certain elements of the discourse, uh, which is yeah. something that I think is a kind, of, kind of problematic. And they should probably stop. They should probably knock that off. Absolutely right. I mean, I was yeah, I was just telling some of my friends, like, remind me, like, as I was witnessing this discourse, like, remind me never to have heroes, you know, like just like the next time I'm tell I'm telling you that I like think Bernie Sanders is the greatest thing that ever happened to American politics or some shit like that. Like, just please slap me so that I don't get to this point where I'm unable to have like any sort of criticism filter through my brain, um, because I think I think that's right. I think that the fact that she did not retire in 2013, 2014, when uh, the Democrats had the Senate and had the presidency is sort of objectively the incorrect decision, right? And mm-hmm. there is there's like really no question about it. There is no coherent defense of it. And you can tell because the pe- defenses that people are putting forward on the internet are like absurd. And um, I, I think that it's the cult of the cult of sort of like pseudo celebrity surrounding her is what is what leads to that because everyone should be able to admit that it was a mistake and you can um, I, I think it's very hard for people to 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 admit it because if you admit that that was a mistake then you have to accept that as incredible as her career was as impressive as she is as a person her legacy will likely be um, fading away over time if she's replaced by a conservative and that's sort of the bottom line right there's there's not much we can do about that. Um, you know, short of short of court reforms, et cetera. But I think that people have a hard time admitting that to themselves, that 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 she fucked up her own legacy by refusing to step down. Yeah, I think some of the reactions 
were I mean, I, I think that analysis is fair. Um, I think some people who were like aggressive in their commentary are just like short sighted because it's like it's it's very easy now in 2020 to be like, oh, she should have done this when, you know, a vast majority of the country was blindsided by Trump winning. I think she thought like many people thought that Hillary would win. I think some of her comments are really, <laughs> really, really bad and reflect a little bit of hubris and ego. Yeah. Um, like, okay, well, name, but it, name it's, someone it's bigger better than, it's bigger than, than me. Than, yes, right. I, I, I completely agree. But I, I think it's important to realize, though, that like the real turning point was in 2016 for her. It was it was before that. Um, and the the key is that you need the Senate, too. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Because the Senate controls uh, the nominations and the, the appointment process. And that's why when in 2013, 2014, the writing was on the wall. Right. The Democrats had lost control uh, in 2010. They had lost more uh, seats in 2012. And, you know, as optimistic as I think some people were about sort of this continuing Democratic majority that would slowly build on itself, you had to see that there was a big risk moving forward, that at the very least, you might not have a friendly Senate in 2014. And, you know, we're talking about someone who at the time was 80, 81 uh, with... uh, two cancer diagnoses, like colon cancer and pancreatic cancer. So like not mm. not like cancers that people beat. Not right? like minor I mean, cancer. Yeah, yeah, right. It's the kind of cancer you get and you're like, okay, that's, you know, how long do I have, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, she, you know, she survived 11 years with pancreatic cancer, which like, you know, I don't, I didn't even think that was a thing that could happen. Um, mm. The, you know, I think the bottom line is she had failing health, and every reason in the world to retire in 2013, 20, 2014. So I don't I don't really give her the benefit of the doubt when it comes to like the Hillary Trump thing, because I don't think that was part of the calculus. After Scalia died and the and McConnell holds up the appointment process at that point, she she had no reason to retire. Right. So like as a, after early 2016, she could say, OK, well, you know, no, yeah. no point in this now. I just got to hold on. Um, but there were many times before that when when she was making the objectively incorrect decision. I think there's no question. Um, you know, I, I I don't I don't think that she's like a horrible piece of shit, right? right but right. she has she made a terrible decision. There's no question. Yeah, yeah. And that, that the consequence now is you know that gamble didn't pay off, and we are right. here in a moment where the court could severely realign um, and shift even further to the right. Um, and this is something that your podcast talks a lot about. So we had this kind of delicate balance, these five to four decisions with just a, a party line vote completely changing um, our legal system, the political makeup, and, and how we do things in America. Now, this could just pave the way for right-wing dominance for, what, a generation? What, 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 what is your outlook here? Yeah, I, I think it, it depends on how the Democrats approach it. So like leaving aside the prospect that the Democrats really engage in court reform uh, of any of any substantial kind, um, you know, if if the Republicans appoint someone, um, it will, first of all, it will be a right wing extremist. Right. Like there, there is no there's no like moderate option on the table. The leading candidate right now is Amy Coney Barrett, who's a, um, a federal appellate judge who is an absolute fucking psycho, um, right-winger, Tradcath type. Um, she said, uh, this is a quote from her, a legal career is but a means to an end, and that end is building the kingdom of God. Uh, she is cool. just, yeah, it's not good. Um, 
the the uh, the other thing I about- remember when the when the Kavanaugh fight was going on. I remember when it was kind of looking iffy about whether or not they were going to be able to push him through. She was kind uh-huh. of floated as the main possible replacement. That's but right. That's turns right. out they didn't even need to go go that far, and they just did it. No, and um, we uh, we like just recorded our RBG episode, and I was talking about this because um, the Republicans love to do the identity politics gotcha, where. Um, when Thurgood Marshall re- um, retired from the Supreme Court, he was the first black justice. Uh, he was a famously liberal justice, and they replaced him with Clarence Thomas. And it was like, see, we got a black, we got a black guy. Uh, so uh, we, you know, we yeah. played your little game, and they're going to do the same thing here, right? Where they're like, well, we're uh, Ginsburg. Uh, Ginsburg died, and she's a woman, so we're going to appoint a woman. Uh, and we, we found we found a great one, right? And it's this fucking in, in nut job. Uh, so to get back, anyway, to get back to. Uh, where things are going. I mean, you know, so uh, the conservatives have the majority right now, right? They didn't need Ginsburg. And that means, you know, after you get the fifth vote, it's sort of diminishing returns to some degree. But the entire sort of project shifts right. So the cases that litigants will bring to the court shift right, the and the things that they're asking for shift to the right. And the median justice is no longer Roberts. Now it's Gorsuch, Gorsuch which is uh, worse. Uh, and um, you start to lose hope for some of the issues where, like, John Roberts has hedged a little bit, like on gay rights. Um, and uh, there's just more of a chance that it looks a little less subtle that, you know, Roberts has a very, very strong desire to see the sort of institutional legitimacy of the court maintained and because of that he doesn't always take like enormous steps rightward he'll do this sort of incremental thing where he takes little tiny steps rightward with each decision and you could see that go by the wayside and just the court look a little more like a bulldozer right where it's just like they at at all times they are searching out the rightmost position and that's the rule very cool um, one, <laughs> one thing that's kind of interesting too uh, about this whole incident is you have a lot of people that are starting to take a look at this and start to ask the question like, hey, maybe this maybe this isn't the best system for maintaining our democracy where mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. the rights of tens of millions of people depend on these like uh, robe wearing geriatrics, uh, whether they yeah. happen to die and the <laughs> depending on who's uh, who's president at that given moment. Um it's it's interesting that people are kind of starting to question the whole legitimacy of the whole thing. Um, I yeah, wonder if that's uh, actually going to lead to anything. I would, you know, I really do think that there's like, I mean, I've never seen the sort of talk of like court packing um, that you're seeing now from like, like Ed Markey tweeted about it. He's not exactly a mainstream Democrat, so um, I'm not holding my breath here, but certainly you're seeing discussions of like actual aggressive court reform in a way that you haven't before. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have like a ton of faith in it, um, not just because they don't have faith in the Democrats, but because like I don't see people questioning like, you know, like, yes, it, it is a little bit bizarre that you have these like nine unelected old freaks who have absolutely no connection <laughs> to the rest of society um, deciding like what is and what what is not legal at all times. But at the same time, like, does that really make any less sense than like the rest of our system? I don't I don't know. I mean, yeah. it's it's. Uh, old, out-of-touch freaks ruling over us, that is a tradition as old as time, and um, it's not limited to the court. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was one thing I was pointing out as well when this all was going down, when that's, this discourse was really happening. It's like, you know, it's not just the Supreme Court. When you look at the United States government, you look at, like, gerrymandering and the Senate right. and uh, the Electoral College, and it's like, really, this is not a very democratic system at all, is it? Wow. That's kind of interesting. 
<laughs> yeah, it's oh, <laughs> the 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 court is like the one thing about the court is that I think like we've we've always had like the for all of like the last thirty odd years the court has been a conservative institution forty years really um, and that it that hasn't like really resulted in any calls for institutional structural change within the court um, but if it I would assume that there is some sort of limit, right? Where if you push hard, hard enough, right? If if it gets radical enough, you would start to see increasing amounts of resistance. Um, I don't, I don't know that that gets anywhere. I have no faith in uh, in like legal academia, for example, to like put up a, a meaningful case. Um, I have very little faith in like Congress to do anything about it. Um, but you know, imagine that the world weren't about to end in whatever 20 years uh and would unfortunately it is so we're, we're never going to see how this plays out but if we had another 100 years you could see the supreme court slowly weakening to a point where it was much less relevant so now so the her absence creates a few obstacles so we've got the the fall term around the mm-hmm. corner and uh the affordable care act uh, case is looming yeah. also there is now I, I think this is I know they're not being altruistic, and I know this is just a, a rhetorical ploy, but the right is framing this absence um, as a reason and justification for filling her seat now. Because if there's contested election results, it could go uh, – in some state, it could go to the Supreme Court. Well, what if it's four to four? It doesn't look like it would be. I mean, I mean unless Roberts joins the remaining liberals. Yeah. It might not be. So they are. If this was any other circumstances, I would be more sympathetic to the argument. But I know this is just like this is pure partisanship play here. Um, so these two things, plus other cases in the fall term, are around the corner. This could create a really tricky dynamic. What's it, what's at stake here? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the Affordable Care Act is sort of up in the air right now. Um, the uh, I, I believe it was the. Fifth Circuit ruled that it was unconstitutional. Uh, I don't want to get into the details of their argument, but it is um, dog shit stupid uh, to a degree where you could actually there's actually an argument that like both Roberts and Gorsuch will join the liberals. Um, and it, it's really that bad. I, I would not be surprised either way. Um, the Affordable Care Act, though, is sort of like, you know, if if they if the Republicans get the sixth seat, it's there's no way that, that Obamacare lasts the next three years, right? I mean, it's it's, it's almost like irrelevant in, in a way, um, or at least dependent on what happens with the seat. Um, the election crisis is a little more interesting. Um, we just did a podcast on voting rights a couple weeks ago. And, like, you know, I, I think the best way to view, like, the conservative political project in the United States is, like, they are trying to figure out the best way to entrench minority rule, uh, right? They don't. They don't have anything near a majority. Even fact. Even if you like, take away the fact that like the Senate is completely undemocratic and the Electoral College doesn't make any real sense. Um, you know, even functioning within those very undemocratic systems, they would still be losing if not for voter suppression. And sort of rather than try to get a bigger tent they have engaged in like very sustained campaigns of voter suppression for the last decade or so and they are they were very much emboldened by Bush v Gore where the court 
kind of willingly stepped in and was like, yeah, we choose the Republican. And that, and that was that. And the fucking Republican ruled for eight years. Like, it was fine. It was <laughs> as if as if nothing was uh, went wrong. Well, not fine, but. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> no, not. I don't mean for like the world or society. <laughs> no, I, me- I meant for like Republicans uh, as politically. <laughs> Yes, it, it uh, is amazing thinking back on that, how there was basically no political fallout or consequences for any of that. Everyone just kind of accepted it. And that's one thing that's making me think, like, if there is some kind of a similar situation with this election, as much as people yeah. are saying, oh, no, we're going to riot and we're going to we're going to do all this. But it's like, I don't know if you will, because we've right, <laughs> right. America's been through this before and literally nothing happened at all. Yeah, I, I mean, the the optimistic side of me says that maybe maybe we would have seen the consequences of that, if not for 9-11. Right. Um and, you know, Bush Bush wasn't popular before 9-11. And part of that was probably that people were like, that was weird, right? That was weird what just happened. Like, he just, he just got kind of appointed. <laughs> um, I think, like, this time, you know, as for, you know, to specifically address the tie concept, I mean, so to be clear, what will happen is um, there will be the, the Trump campaign will probably contest ballots, right? They'll say, like, these ballots don't count or shouldn't count for whatever reason under the law. And that goes to the court and uh, it'll get appealed up through the courts. And if there's a tie at the Supreme Court, what will generally happen is that whatever the lower court held will stand. So it depends which court it is, which means it depends what state it is. So, you know, what it's like there were just tons of different scenarios that could play out in terms of like the, you know, which circuit it happens, which, you know, federal circuit it happens in and which court, court it gets to before it gets to the Supreme Court. And then and then what that means for the Supreme Court. Right. Like what what's the political sort of strategic calculus for someone like John Roberts who wants to maintain the integrity of the court? It's there's all like too many scenarios to play out. Um, certainly. I don't think that a 4-4 tie is any more of a constitutional crisis than a 5-4 ruling or, or a 4-3 or, a or, you know, a 5-3 ruling. Um, it, they're both like the, the fact that elections are getting decided by the courts is a fucking uh, like it, whatever a constitutional crisis is. That sounds like one. I don't really know a good de- definition of constitutional crisis, but certainly uh, like having one out of every like three or four presidential elections decided by the court seems like a it seems like a crisis. I would describe it like that. Yeah. Um, so if I'm if I'm following, you're saying the best way to fix this is just to vote. Yeah, get out there, guys. Um, <laughs> I no, I wouldn't say just vote. You got to have a yard sign too. You know. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, got, yeah. Got it. definitely. You want to bring your friend? You know. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I, I uh, unfortunately I can't talk about the best way to affect change in the Supreme Court um, <laughs> due to various. Um, Laws about um, about threats in the First Amendment limitations on the First Amendment. <laughs> <laughs> a goddamn Chaplinsky case. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, no, uh, I, yeah. I mean, take a look, lot there's, of there's kind of satirical, no solution, right? <laughs> uh, satirical gags and jokes and pranks. Possibly that would have to. Happen we can add possibly. in some like clown noises if you'd like to make it very clear. You're joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but yeah. So, so Pelosi today was asked, like, okay, what do you? What's your advice for people who want to like slow roll the Republicans or? You know, push back against this. What appears to be them trying to force through a a, a nomination or a nominee. And her 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 response to CNN was, or the reporters were, get out there and vote. Well, okay, okay, sure. Contr- taking back the Senate is is one part of it. Voting is one part of it. <laughs> but 
if that happens <laughs> before election day, it does not matter. Like it, it, it yeah. then and 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 as you've pointed out, the, like part of this is going to be restructuring the court, possibly adding yeah. justices or packing the court, um, court reform, things like that. There's so many other pieces to it, and our, the top Democrat in Congress is just not talking about that. It's get out there and vote, and it seems to be. That they are just trying to push people into this understanding that voting is the biggest mass mobilization thing you can do. Yeah. That's not the case. I think even Biden said something, was asked about court packing. It was kind of like, uh, you know, I don't know. Oh. Yeah, he, which is he, because he, I feel like they, should, he even, they should be at least, yeah, they should be at least able to threaten that, even if it's a, yeah. it's a classic Democrat empty threat. I actually, at I least actually just think they will put that think, on the table, maybe. I think if there's a lame duck session, that that has to be the threat. Um, Otherwise, you don't have any cards to play, right? No, um, it's just like our, Biden, every piece of legislation that we're going to want to pass for the next thirty years is just right. Exactly, done now. exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that if there's a lame duck session, Biden wins, and McConnell's trying to push it, uh, push someone through. You know, you all the Democrats have is to say, "You pull this, and we will, um, you know, we'll pass a law adding uh, adding five seats." Um, and just just so listeners know, so like. There's nine Supreme Court justices, but there's nothing in the Constitution that requires it to be nine. And so uh, over over the span of history, people have floated just passing a law that says, yeah, there's four more. Um, and then whoever's president at the time gets to uh, gets to pop those in. And that's and that's that. At, you know, the position of like someone like Biden when he when he kind of um, poo pooed it a couple, I think it was a year or two ago. He was basically saying, like, that's a can of worms, right? Like, they're just going to do the same thing to us. Um, which is sort of true, but like when the alternative is just losing anyway, I don't, <laughs> I don't really see what the downside is, frankly. Yeah, and isn't that like going back into history? Isn't that how FDR passed large chunks of the New Deal by even threatening to do that? And That's right. All of he, a sudden, yeah, once he, he made that um, threat. Yeah, yeah, he he was able to pass a lot of New Deal legislation by saying that this is what he was going to do, and and not just um, it wasn't just about like bullying Congress; it was about bullying the Supreme Court itself. So he was basically saying like, if you don't, if you hold that my laws are unconstitutional, I'm going to throw a few more people on the court, and they're going to reverse it, and you're going to be uh, worthless, right? Your your vote is going to be okay. So I'm going to start tweeting snake emojis. At Supreme Court <laughs> justices, I'm gonna <laughs> let's not let's not go down that road. We're gonna cancel <laughs> the whole show is gonna be canceled. <laughs> um, yeah, no, just going back to going back to the, like the legitimacy of it as well. I think I saw an incredible stat, um, which is that I think I think it said something like Democrats have appointed like four justices over the last fifty years. Or something absurd like that, and then between <laughs> between grim. Bush and Trump, you have two presidents who are who, who appoint like four or possibly five, despite having right. lost the popular vote in in those elections. It's just like it's it's so profoundly undemocratic that it's almost shocking that like people yeah, are it's, still it's accepting fucking, this. Like it, it's one of those things where like the Democrats are this are the same combination of like unlucky and um and sort of like just un unstrategic that gets them into trouble in like every aspect of government um and the republicans are the opposite right they've found themselves in some good situations and they take advantage of it immediately i mean the entire makeup of the modern court is basically um the result of nixon being able to choose a bunch of justices and turning around what was like at the time a very liberal court the earl warren was the chief justice and he had 
made all these um, been the head of the court when they had all these and sort of incredibly progressive for the time rulings and you know Brown v the Board of Education and all the Civil Rights Act um, cases and um, was starting to talk about like racial and gender discrimination in a way that um, actually resonated with like with progressive academia etc um, and you know Nixon appointed several justices and was able to turn that around uh, and that trend just never reversed yeah and this is I don't know. It just seems like such a delicate system. And Rob, you know, you know, you had comments earlier about the undemocratic nature of <laughs> of the American government from your perspective that must be entertaining. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's not like any any modern Western liberal democracy is that democratic, but it's 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 really like, you know, like typical yeah. like America, you'd have to take everything to the next level, uh, ramp it up to <laughs> 11, you know. That's why we're the best, baby. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, just let's just make this as stupid as humanly possible. Absolutely. I if you guys want just to to wallow in the doom, um, I always pose the hypothetical of uh, Hillary Clinton wins in 2016, right? Um, Earth two, baby. The the court <laughs> <laughs> the court uh, we we then get the uh, the the Merrick Garland seat, right? Um, then you might get the Anthony Kennedy seat that went to Canada, uh, Kavanaugh, and. Uh, then you get the Ginsburg seat and maybe Stephen Breyer's liberal seat. You re- you replace that, too. Um, it's like it's like liberal dominance of the court for a generation. If Hillary wins uh, sort of crazy alternate reality because the fucking like the world flipped on its head and we are now in a fascist state because, you know, because yeah. Hillary, Hillary's not the most convincing candidate of all time. But isn't that. like I remember prior to the election when it looked like a, sh- a sure thing that Hillary was going to win. You had people like John McCain, who everyone holds up as like the ultimate moderate Republican who was kind, is decent and good. He was out there saying like, oh, no, we're not going to let him, let them let Hillary appoint anybody. We're going to make sure we block <laughs> every single Supreme Court appointee. So it, that's the thing. Even if she had one, I'm not even sure that uh, I think that that's actually that. th- that's a good point. I, I think that they were sort of ready for that. They were like, what if we. <laughs> What if we never? Yeah, what if we just it, right? didn't do that? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> There's multiple multiple senators had said that Ted Cruz did, John McCain did, and I think there was yeah, like at least one more. Someone like McCain's not doing it unless McConnell is down, right? So right. yeah, um, yeah, I I agree that it seems like that was definitely on the table. So maybe the you know the alternate reality is like a little bit of a more of a hypothetical than even I'm implying. But the I mean I think the bottom line is like at the very least there's. Um, there's probably yeah. a situation where liberals control the court, um, and, and it's sort of it's sort of mind blowing that we've gone so far in the other direction so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm well, Jordan, I mean, what, here, I mean, you talked a little bit about some of the uh, the activism you've done around this. Like, I'm wondering from your perspective. Um, suppose this does go south, and there's this, this terrible situation where now there's a. Uh, a Supreme Court in the U.S. that's going to for sure block any uh, legislation uh, that could possibly help people for the next several decades. Uh, how would you think beyond voting? How do you think people should respond to that? Or also, do you think that like if there is a coming fight uh, for over the seat, like what what would your advice be to Democrats? Like, do you think they should just go along with the theater of it, like they did with Kavanaugh, or should they really try to like throw their bodies on the tracks? Uh, in this for this thing oh i don't know i'm gonna come live with you (laughs) (laughs) i have a number of people that have been reaching out to me about this yeah Yeah, i'm sure the fires i'm sure the fires won't reach canada right is that (laughs) yeah the science behind that is rock solid yeah yeah Yeah, yeah. we're fine that's how that Um, works no yeah leave it all leave it all in the field man it's just like i i I, they're gonna have to have conversations around civility and politics 
Like they're just it it's because it's going to reach a tipping point. It's going to happen whether they like it or not, and whether they want to lean into it and harness that energy to like galvanize support. Um, that's that's on the table, and I think that I don't have faith that they'll do that. But that's something they could use to their advantage. Because, like, what, make these people feel feel fear. Um, they're otherwise they're not going. What, what what like we've talked about? There's really no cards on the table other than the threat, possibly hollow, of court packing. So if you want to galvanize the support, like the other night, people marched to McConnell's house, stayed for 10 minutes and left. Not the <laughs> best display. I mean, judging by yeah. some of the people, that were, it's it, the type of people that idea. went there were like the type of people that would just show up to the Supreme Court to mourn. So not exactly like people who are ready to like throw down or like actually will do civil disobedience or get arrested. Um, but, you know, the, harnessing that kind of energy could be uh, something that might move the needle. Because otherwise, it's it's what other choice do you have? And we've talked about the consequences. This could be thirty years of just right wing dominance and extreme right wing legislation and, and political jurisprudence. That's that's dangerous. That's extremely dangerous. And the consequences of that far supersede any risks associated with civil disobedience now. So where do you want to where, where do you want to be now when you look back in history? And that's a conservative, like a hard right conservative uh, court governing a population that's. Uh, in terms of like the generational gap becoming more and more liberal and more and more progressive and is more open yeah, to a lot the, of these ideas. The tyranny it's like a, of the there's, some, there's a fundamental contradiction there that's going to come into conflict with each other. Right. Um, I Like I said, I don't think they're going to do that. When we see the immediate response from Pelosi being just vote. What the f- for what? What if you don't have a Senate race in your state? Then what? It's... Whatever. <laughs> God. I will say um, the best case scenario is that Okay, and so we're back now from the uh, little sojourn we just had to take, uh, where nothing untoward was discussed, and no, n- nothing like that went on, and it's, uh, it's totally just a totally average discussion of uh, normal normal stuff. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> what if, man? Uh, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Peter, unless you have anything else, uh, it was really great to have you on the show to to break this stuff down for us. Uh, thank you for thank you for coming on the on the program. It was great to have you. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. So where can people find and listen to uh, 5 to 4? Yeah, uh, we're on Twitter. We're 5-4-Pod, all spelled out. Uh, wherever podcasts are sold and downloaded, uh, just search 5-4, five, five uh, and, uh, and we're there. That's the number it. one legal podcast in the country. That's right. Yeah, the numbers reflect that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Law Boy, also a very good follow on Twitter, and we're going to make sure we link your... Uh, your Twitter in the show description. But uh, thank you again, sir. It was a pleasure to speak to you. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Insurgents. Please remember to subscribe over at theinsurgents.substack.com. Find the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. And please remember to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It's very helpful and we appreciate it a lot. But please, again, don't mention Ken Klippenstein in the review. He is banned from the show. It's a lifetime ban, so please do not mention him in the review. And we'll be back later this week with more of the content that you know and love. Goodbye.